Hello and welcome back to another episode of Wealthy Expat. This week, I've got Mel Picos on the show with me from Tactic Property, the managing partner, in fact. Um, Mel's got an extensive background and understanding of the commercial world, having started his career at Colliers International, moved to Trident Corporation and spent about eight or nine years, I believe it was, at CBRE in Brisbane, yeah, the office, office market. So, Mel, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for jumping on the show and I hope you're well. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been, uh, been a long time since we last saw each other. It has, it has. Uh, and for people listening, Mel and I, I guess we were competitors once once upon a time, uh, working in, in similar fields. Um, yep. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago now. It's The time has really disappeared. Um, well, that's probably just goes around in roundabouts, doesn't it? Exactly that. Exactly that. It's uh, it disappears. Time is disappearing, especially the last last two or three years. But it's uh, it's great to have you here. I thought uh, I, for people that are listening once again, for if you've uh, you may have seen some of Mel's videos popping up on on social media or, or LinkedIn, um, whatever it may be. But he's uh, got a good program running around uh, talking tactics when it comes to property and and some very uh, impressive videos, some videos that really caught our attention. Um, and, and we wanted to, to speak to Mel today about why he sees Brisbane as a fantastic opportunity and Queensland uh, more so for the future over the next 10 years, you could say, in the build up to, to the Olympic Games. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll run through some some of these kind of seven reasons that we believe Queensland's a fantastic area to invest in. Um, yeah, and, and debunk debunk some of the, the myths and and come up with some, uh, you know, some game plans for the future and not put all of our eggs in one basket. Uh, in terms of investment into the Queensland market. Um, but to start off with, how's, how's everything been going? You've obviously started this new business. Um, it's We've had COVID, which hasn't been ideal, but how are you finding things in Brisbane at the moment? Well, some would say we timed our uh, exit from CBRE uh, at an opportune time. It was November 2019. We had to do uh, three months of gardening leave. So uh, we all enjoyed a nice three-month holiday and uh, we were allowed to start our business in in March of uh, 2020. So uh, I think about uh, second week in uh, to the new business, lockdown was announced so uh, I think uh, everyone everyone was a little bit shocked at that stage but um, yeah. you know a lot of people have said to us oh geez what a what a terrible time to to start a business but I'd say from our experience you know a lot of our competitors they were told hey you've got to go home and work from home and uh, you know uh, try and try and earn a crust uh, you might have a job a lot of people were getting pay cuts and and reductions and uh, you know, from our perspective, I guess we just thought, well, for every every 20 people that we call, someone's going to say, uh, 19 are going to say, uh, I'm not interested, but one person is probably going to yeah. say they want to do something um, at the end of the day. So we negotiate office leases for, for a living and uh, a lot of leases expire. And whilst it's a, it was a tough time in, in terms of yeah. people not understanding exactly what they wanted to do and whether or not they would return to the office. Here in Queensland, our experience has been quite different to what it has been around Australia uh, for places like Sydney and Melbourne uh, and even to, to the rest of the world. You know, I think uh, the number of days that we've been in lockdown, I couldn't quote you an exact number, but most of the times people here in Brisbane have seen them as, oh, well, great, I get a couple of days off. And, uh, you know, uh, after, after the uh, four or five cases have sort of uh, all been in, uh, isolated and whatnot, everything's been back open for business. So we really haven't experienced the same kind of lockdown that perhaps Sydney and and Melbourne uh, might've had. And I think that's really sort of driven our economy quite, quite strongly as a result. Yeah. 
guess, yeah, you guys have been quite lucky in that regard. Um, or very lucky, really. Ooh, so, Definitely. Um, yeah, no, the, the sunshine here has uh, been been well received, and uh, you know that's what that's what uh, Southeast Queensland's best at. Uh, yeah. providing an, an awesome lifestyle and um, and uh, our economy's still been going strong as a result. It's it's good to see. Um, and in terms of, of Tactic Property, you touched on the office leasing world. Um, and so is Tactic Property really that your sole focus at the moment and, and all the energy going into the office leasing market? Is that correct? Or are you working in the sales yeah. field as well? We're, we're basically just office leasing. Uh, a few of the guys yep. have done a few sales here and there, um, just from uh, some existing relationships that uh, we've got quite strongly. But um, most yep. of what we do, the vast majority, let's call it, you know, north of 95% of our revenue would be negotiating office leases. That's on behalf of occupiers and on behalf of, of, of landlords. Basically, whoever, whoever wants to engage yep. us in our services, we go and act on their behalf to source them office space, negotiate the, the lease for them. And uh, I, I, I can say that in terms of activity, you know, we're really seeing a, a two-tiered market. Most of the activity that we've been negotiating is with um, small medium enterprises, the SME market. Uh, you know, they're the people that are sort of up to about 50 staff. Those are the businesses that have been really the driving force. You know, the managing director who owns the business is in the office, uh, able to make decisions um, probably a little bit more, more nimbly as, a, as opposed to some of the big corporates. I mean, a lot of what I do is also, also large corporates. But as you can imagine, oh. since COVID hit, uh, a lot of them have been sort of reluctant to, to make sort of big calls around what they do with their office space and uh, also, you know, a lot, a lot of these requirements are dictated from either internationally uh, or Sydney and Melbourne, where a lot of the big corporate offices are. And, uh, you know, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, if, uh, a lot of those CEOs uh, haven't really been willing to, uh, I guess, risk the backlash of uh, making staff go back into the office. But it's been a completely two-tier market where if you own the business, you know, you walk through office space and you'd ordinarily think that there'd be no one in the office. Yeah. But it's a real contrast when you do walk through the, the, the smaller and the medium-sized businesses where everyone's at their desks, everyone's out there That's powering crazy. away. Uh, and you walk through some of the big top-tier accounting firms and, geez, uh, yeah. you know, there's, uh, you could shoot a gun and you wouldn't kill anyone. There'd be, uh, there'd be hardly anyone there. <laughs> That's incredible. It's, it's crazy how, um, I guess, just the comparison listening to you hearing, or hearing you say this about people going back into the workforce in, in different fields mm. of, or different lines of work. And even, I think I mentioned it to you the other day when we had a bit of a chat that I've been working, spending a little bit of time at a co-working space and, and we're starting to see big businesses like your, you know, Google's are taking space, TikTok is yes. taking space, um, and, and corporations and, and bit global businesses that you'd in the past, they would have taken, you know, a whole building in, in central London and Soho or, or Austin mm. Circus, wherever it may be. And now they're trying to, trying to, I guess, minimize their risk in a sense and, and reduce their expenses. Um, and the co-working space these days, it works so well. You can, you can, you've got the flexibility to, to do what you please. You can take a floor plate if you wanted to, I'm sure you're aware of this, but it's, uh, it's, I guess there's that flexibility and you've got coffees on, on constant kind of standby. Uh, you've got uh, regular snacks, you've got, <laughs> you've got your beers. It's, it's everything there. It's, uh, I guess it's yeah. creating that, that lifestyle ba or the work and lifestyle balance. And it's, uh, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting few years now for these co-working spaces. Wow. I definitely think you um, raise a valid point. I think there's got to be reasons to attract people back into the office. And people, uh, 
they they need a reason as to as to why they would come and work from the office when they do have the option to to work from home and i'd say that employers that are successful in this have been the ones that have been taking the higher quality premises i mean we're we're experiencing a real skills shortage here because we are we are in fact in a boom here in brisbane um which um, yeah. almost almost seems crazy to say but uh it is it is booming construction prices are going through the roof um, we we don't have access to the skills that we need due to the border lockdowns and whatnot. We have been uh, seeing quite a lot of interstate migration from Sydney and Melbourne predominantly. Um, that's yep. that's due to a whole range of reasons, which I'm sure I'm sure we'll dive yep. into um, throughout this uh, throughout this call. But uh, yep. you know, uh, people, uh, Hassel ran a, an interesting survey that was released uh, a couple of weeks ago. The number one thing that uh, that uh, employees wanted on their return to work was was food and coffee. So really? people are easy to bribe to to get back into the office. You just gotta you gotta feed them and give them give them a bit of caffeine and uh, they'll come back and drive. Rocket um, fuel, so, exactly. Yeah, and the second one was um, you know an interesting workplace. Um, and uh, I think I think gone are the days where people will just go. You know what? I'm just going to take a um, a B grade building, and you know my staff will be happy with that. And there's an existing fit out there that that we'll take. Yeah. Th those are the kind of spaces that will continue to to hang around, and it's the higher quality office spaces that will be. It's like any sort of property market, right? There's always a flight to quality. If it's if it's good, people yeah. will continue to want to to lease it. And there is that sort of divergence now at the moment where where I'm seeing that. If you've got a building where the landlord hasn't spent any money, they haven't gone and put the new end of trip facilities, you know, the bike racks, the, the lockers, the showers, um, they, they, they haven't put in a, a great ground floor cafe, they, they, they haven't ripped out the existing fit out and put something brand new in there to, to excite people to come back into the office. I mean, we, we are experiencing a, a war for talent right now. And if you want to attract and retain the best staff. You know, the AFR ran an article two days ago that said uh, top tier accounting firms they just can't get people into the office. And you know, I can I can tell you why they've uh, they've jammed them in like battery hens. Um, yeah. That you're not given a desk anymore. You you're told that put your stuff in a locker and uh, come and come and sit in this office and uh, yeah. and uh, you know uh, you don't you don't own the space. If you leave for two hours, then you've got to you've got to pack your stuff up. I mean. You can't even have a photo frame of your family member or, or anything like yeah. that. So exactly. I think there is that, uh, that that drive where we are going back to, hey, you know what, let's try not to stack people on top of each other anymore. Let's give people a little bit more space. I mean, everyone's conscious of social distancing now. Uh, it's probably not the, the best hygienic outcome if you if you are jamming people and making them share desks. And yeah. you know, I continually hear from from mainly from employees that uh, I think probably too many CFOs are looking at the uh, the bottom line figure and saying that uh, let's reduce our office cost and send send you all to to, to work from home. I, I don't think that that's what we're going to flex back into. Um, you know, it's. I think it's it's quickly going back the other way where we are starting to see people spread out a little bit more. And if you do want to retain the the best staff and attract the best staff, yeah. you do need to do something a bit more funky and a bit more creative than just saying, "Hey, here's your here's your uh, linear white workstation and yeah. put your stuff in the locker and uh, you know we, we might see you next week or something like yeah. that." <laughs> Exactly. I think so. I mean, you know, uh, working from home uh, is here to stay. There's no question about that. But um, yeah. people are people 
like interaction um you know if you uh, if you look at sydney and melbourne where they have been in extended lockdowns the people that i speak to they can't wait to get out of home because yeah. they're they're sick of it they're uh, they're, they're 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 bored and of course people are still going to work a day or two here and there uh, from from home i mean it is convenient yeah. you do have places like sydney and melbourne where um you know the the commute for for a lot of people is upwards of an hour each way uh, we don't really have that in in brisbane right. you know you can still for, on on an affordable salary you can still live within a couple of k's of the cbd and I think that's why we're, um, you know, stealing a lot yeah. of southerners, or as exactly. you know, uh, as we call them the uh, the Mexicans from down south, and uh, making their way to the promised land. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that's a good point, though, around the the office space and what you're saying about um, old existing fit-outs that are in these B-grade office spaces as well. And um, I think that's going to be a challenging market. Like I guess you touched on just just before. It's like you're saying as well with the the way in which we're changing our workforce and wanting that sense of creativity and 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 something that wants that's it, drawing us to go to work it be it food and beverage whatever that whatever that little bonus may be but i think that that's going to be an interesting market to watch over the next 6 12 18 months and and potentially landlords coming up with with new ideas to convert their spaces potentially into uh, maybe into co-working spaces or um, shared working spaces or, or split them into smaller office spaces whatever it may be but I think there's going to be some interesting kind of um, transitions and, and strategies implemented for some of these office spaces at least from my opinion that's just a, an outsider looking in but I think that they've got to they've got to keep up with the with the current market and, and it, as you're saying that creative workforce and the creative workspace is really the focus at the moment then they're going to get left behind in the in the smoke in a sense I feel. Yeah, I, I definitely echo your comments there. Uh, I do feel that uh, short term, you know, places like WeWork and, and Spaces and, and Regis or, or whoever the operator is, you know, short term, they were impacted during COVID. You know, I guess the, uh, the, the bad aspect of the business is that, you know, you're on short term agreements. It's very easy for people to pull out and uh, therefore, therefore, you know, they're not receiving any rent. So there was a lot of short term pain, particularly in that market. You know, a lot, a lot of the bigger organisations have got leases the, the average lease across the market is approximately five years uh so if you think that um you're going to get uh, the office is dead and uh, all of a sudden you no one's ever going to go back to the office well the average lease is still about five years left to run uh, I'd right. say, and i'd say that's you know uh for most developed markets I'd, I'd feel that that would be that would be true it certainly is in australia yeah. um so those decisions don't really come too quickly um, it's definitely been SMEs uh, that have been driving the charge as to um, really amping up the productivity. And I, I'd say that they're stealing market share from, from the big players um, because they're, they're filling a gap where, where the big corporates just haven't been agile enough or, or haven't really had the, um, the foresight to, to go out there and, and uh, push hard yeah. to take that business. I mean, it's, it's, difficult. it's difficult for a lot of industries to... Um, make connections, uh, grow grow businesses just over doing you know Zoom calls or Teams calls. Yeah. Like pe people want to know who they're dealing with, and it does help when you get face to face contact with people. And I I certainly uh, you know try to try to meet with people where I can because um, it's it's simply easier to understand what it is that they they need exactly. and what they want to achieve, and therefore you can advise them a little bit easier, and then just try and um, Try and yeah, make things happen. Exactly, I agree. Um, and just on, I guess you mentioned on the past, and just then in terms of 
the, the lease terms on some of these deals at the moment and the average sitting around five years. But in terms of um, a rate per square meter, how has that responded over the last 12, 24 months, kind of since the start of the pandemic? Have, have the prices dropped slightly or significantly um, since the start of the pandemic and the shift has really, really started to evolve? We're in a really bizarre market. I'd say okay. that, um, you know, last year things were quite stagnant. If anything, I mean, uh, you'd probably be aware aware because obviously you used to used to work in the industry. But you know, there's there's the face rent, which is the rent that the landlord is charging on a per square meter basis. And there's also an incentive that the landlord is willing to provide to encourage you to to move your business. And uh, landlords have been seen as a as a massive bank. You know, no no office tenant, if you're willing to commit to a five plus year lease, you'll get your full fit out paid for by the landlord. And they'll also they'll also throw in a bit of a rental discount on that. Incentives were absolutely astronomical last really? year. There are a couple of isolated instances where uh, landlords landlords probably got a little bit desperate, specifically because of the uncertainty of COVID. And if you have, if you had a big vacant building with you know ten twenty thousand square meters sitting there vacant. You probably were, yeah. um, you know, you that uh, quite worried. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there, there were a few hail mary deals out there that um, people got really lucky. The, right. It's, it's com completely turned on its head so far this year. I've had about three instances in the last couple of days where we actually can't find any space for for, for businesses, um, wow. particularly sub five hundred square meters, which I'd categorise as as businesses with up to fifty staff. There is a real shortage of supply in that sector of the market. A lot of landlords have had to go into their buildings with larger floor plates and start subdividing those floors, carving them up and making them into smaller suites. I mean, a lot of landlords don't like to have to do this because they do lose some common area and they don't recoup on that cost. But in that sector of the market, we've actually seen face rents growing and wow. landlords have been going, well, we're you know, we've we've leased we've leased a couple of them now. Let's raise the rent by an extra, you know, five percent and see how we go. And wow. you know, tenant te tenants will be start will start kicking and screaming and saying, oh, well, you know, it's it's in the, we're in the middle of COVID. You know, no one's going to the office, and well, yeah. uh, it's a bit of a myth. <laughs> I mean, yeah. may, 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 maybe in some global cities where you know COVID is. Uh, COVID has ravaged the, the, the place. And obviously we you know, feel sorry for, for a lot of those cities where CBDs have, have been decimated, yeah. um, particularly, particularly people within the hospitality and retail space. I mean, they've, they've definitely been absolutely, yeah. uh, absolutely smashed in, yeah. in, in this, but um, you know, rents for, for office space, it's, it's so bizarre. They're, they're actually it's increasing. And once you start getting to, larger pre-commits there are still um, quite a number of big deals on offer for people um, uh, that's that's because interest rates are so cheap and okay. there is such a glut of capital a lot of people are buying assets with cash and uh, the reason why they're buying them with cash is because it's sitting in the bank and yeah. they're sick of earning you know 0.1 percent interest if if they're yeah. if that Luck, so yeah. a lot of people are exactly a lot of people are are going out there and and trying to either uh, participate in development opportunities. There's still still significant deals on offer for tenants willing to pre-commit. Those are few and far between. I've definitely seen a lot more traction in the area of 
existing space, particularly like I like I keep uh, keep yeah. referencing, sub 500 square meters, less than 50 staff. That is the market that is absolutely going bananas. Um, you start talking about large multinational corporations who want to make big commitments. You know, 10, 20,000 square meters. They want to place a couple thousand staff. Yeah. Those kind of deals. Yeah, they're, they're pretty slow. But you know, okay. to be honest. They're always slow. Um, yeah. Brisbane, in particular, is a is very much a developer's market. Uh, the, the standard the standard line here is build it and they will come. That's 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 Brisbane, where there's uh, there's a, a lot of people that are willing to roll the dice here, and and uh, that's what I love about it. People have got yeah. a real entrepreneurial spirit here. It's beautiful. I guess that leads on to our, our next point and kind of the, the bones of, of this conversation in a sense. It's good to, to understand what's happening in the Brisbane market. And then go back to your video, actually, and we'll reference it in, in the, the link below when we upload this podcast. And everyone can have a look at it, have a watch it and let us know what you think. But uh, let Mel know more so what you think. But it's a fantastic video. and We may as well touch on some of these points now. And for people listening, the basis of the video was created around seven things to look forward to in Brisbane, was uh, I think I'm correct there. Um, and, and so Mel created this video outlining the seven, highlighting the seven different things to look forward to. And I thought we'd run through it now. Um, obviously it's still fresh on your mind. I, I watched the video again yesterday. Um, and, and yeah, I thought we'd run through it. And I guess there's a lot of talk in the market at the moment around the Olympics. And I think the Olympics is on the forefront of everyone's mind really, when it comes to considering Brisbane as an investment be from a from a commercial standpoint or a residential standpoint or even just a relocation standpoint from inter, from the interstate investors um, and I think that your video is a great kind of explanation of other things to look forward to other than the Olympics and I think Brisbane's got to diversify itself uh, for the next 10 years I think it's fantastic that now we've got an outlook for the next 10 years. We know what we've got to look forward to. We know what we've got to do and the infrastructure is hopefully going to come. I'm sure it will. I, I see the occasional headline popping up about new projects that are coming forward. Um, but now it's it's what's going to happen after that, that 10 year time or 11 years really. Um, but what will happen after the Olympic Games and what's, what's going to drive the economy for Brisbane? And we'll run through now, I think, starting off with Queen's Wharf. Uh, and if you could give us a bit of a rundown about Queen's Wharf for the listeners. So uh, I've heard it being called the largest private sector investment in the country right now. And it's a $3.6 billion integrated casino resort. It's going to include a six-star hotel, uh, two five-star hotels, obviously a, a massive casino. There's something like 2,000 apartments that are, are going to go in there, um, 50 bars and restaurants, um, massive new shopping centre that is uh, obviously targeted towards a, a higher-end demographic. You've got um, DFS who have committed to, to the entire retail and, you know, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, you, you, you name it, it's... Yeah. it's uh, the, the, the high-end fashion brands uh, have all committed to it. What I'm most excited about is that, um, you know, I'm not someone who's a, a gambler. A casino personally doesn't really get me that interested, but yeah. there's so much happening in this precinct uh, and, and there's a reason why it will draw me there. I, I really think that this is going to put Brisbane on, uh, on a tourist map where people are just going, you know what, I will go and spend a couple of days in Brisbane. I'll, and typically in the past, People come to Brisbane uh, and then they go down to the Gold Coast or they go to the Sunshine Coast, up to Noosa, wherever it is. There's more and more reasons why people are willing to spend a holiday in, in Brisbane now. And I think that 
this is going to be the best casino in Australia, hands down. So the process that was run by, by uh, Campbell Newman, then the state premier, uh, who, who kicked off this project uh, initially, you know, the Star Casino had a license uh, uh, over the existing site at um, the Treasury Casino. And if anyone's been through the Treasury Casino complex, I mean, uh, you, you, let, let's just say that it's not a great place to hang out. It's um, it's it's okay, like it's 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 yeah, fine, it's but um, dated. Uh, yeah, you you might have been there once or twice. Uh, oh, in this yeah. Here, Chris, but, uh, yeah, occasionally. It's, yeah, and what he did was, like, hey, we're going to open up a, an opportunity for a second license here in in Brisbane, and guess what? It's a couple of doors down from from the existing Treasury Casino, so. Uh, at yeah. the time, you know, we got a couple of a couple of different bids from uh, from casino operators, and uh, and the logical choice at the time was Crown Casino, and okay. the star who currently operate Treasury, they were just they desperately didn't want to lose and, and have Crown right on their doorstep because it was it was going to be far superior yeah. to their existing operations. So they just threw the absolute kitchen sink at this project. It was. So, so, um, so much money, so much investment to try and pull six star hotels to try to like Br Brisbane, uh, you know, people call it a big country town. I, I don't feel that's accurate anymore, but uh, that's, that's, that's the context that we're working with, within that. Uh, why would you go and put the best casino in Australia in yeah. Brisbane? And yeah. they simply just didn't want to lose the license. They didn't want uh, they didn't want uh, a competitor to come and encroach on their space. So they're putting the best possible casino complex in Australia, right here in Brisbane CBD. They've got a prime so a site. It overlooks the river. It looks back to South Bank. They're building a pedestrian bridge uh, to to cross the river back yeah. through to South Bank. There's there's so much money being That's thrown at this project. It's got me so excited. Uh, you yeah. know just. Even even if you're not interested in casinos, hey, there's yeah, there's so many bars, restaurants. You're going to want to hang out there because of all the great mm. offerings that are, that exactly is is going to Let's, be there. Yeah, exactly. You take what Howard Smith Wharfs has done over the last two years and and really transformed the social aspect of Brisbane. It seems to be the the talking spot, the hot spot. Everyone's down there every weekend. They've got their restaurants, bars, and, and a real mix of of activity and that the hotels there of course as well underneath the bridge um but i think that yeah like you're saying queen's wharf will have the same kind of effect but at a much larger scale and and not just from a domestic standpoint but from an international standpoint and and another thing you touched on in your video was the i guess the upgrade to the runway the brisbane runway um and brisbane being the the closest capital city to southeast asia as well um and i think that's going to have a big part to play or queen's wharf and, and the runway is going to have a big part to play they'll kind of complement each other in a sense because we'll be able to get more international flights over into to brisbane um was i think it was in your video and you mentioned that we'll be able to was it the have the same number of flights as Shangi Airport. Was that correct? Or have I so misworded that? The, uh, the airport's got a similar capacity to, to Singapore's right. Changi Airport and also the Hong Kong International Airport. So we've Incredible. now got two, two runways. Uh, I think it's also important to mention that Brisbane is a 24-hour... Uh, uh, there's no curfew like in Sydney, 24-hour airport. You can fly a plane yeah. in at any time, which it does mean that it's a it's a great logistics hub. So when you talk about business opportunities, I think something that's really overlooked is is the industrial capacity of of Brisbane. You are seeing uh, a shift uh, in in commercial property 
uh, from from retail where people are going and uh, and uh, enjoying and buy, buying buying things right you go into the shop you go and buy some stuff a lot more people are obviously ordering things online um, yeah. Australia has been a real slow adopter. I mean, you go over to, to America and you obviously see the decimation that has occurred in, in their regional shopping centres over there. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of malls. There's a lot of malls with a lot of empty shops over there. That really quite hasn't hit here in Australia yet. We, are, we have been a slow adopter of the, the, uh, the Amazons of the world, but it's, it's coming. And a lot of those uh, players are expanding and creating massive industrial facilities it's it's yeah. to the point where we're we're almost a, a little bit paralyzed right now uh, the government both both state and local they're really scrambling to try and release more land particularly for for industrial use because we've got that uh, we've got that new parallel runway now and uh, you can you can keep bringing planes in you can pre keep bringing goods in um, yeah. there's been a massive expansion at the port as well we we are a real logistics hub here yeah. in in Brisbane. I, a, I think yeah. it's also important to mention that uh, you know the uh, parallel runway opened last year. Not many flights, yeah. so uh, timing was terrible. But hey, the the, the runway is there now, <laughs> and uh, I, I I think it's kind of been glossed over as a really important piece of infrastructure because we haven't been able to <laughs> really yeah, take true. in the amount of planes that uh, that uh, you would ordinarily expect, but. Uh, that's yeah. that's a long-term piece of infrastructure that is really going to benefit Brisbane as a as a whole and uh, and yeah. southeast Queensland as well because we Brisbane is really the central hub I mean you know it's an hour away from the Gold Coast it's it's uh, an hour away to the Sunshine Coast two hours up to to Noosa uh, this 75% of the population within Queensland all live within this kind of uh, two, 200 or so kilometre uh, bubble and Brisbane's right at the centre of it. So people people that are chasing sunshine, uh, people that are chasing work opportunities, like yeah. it, it is really a great mix of um, opportunities within the southeast corner. So it is a real benefit for, for everyone within this this part of the world. That's interesting. In terms of uh, the, the business community and, and businesses that you're seeing, seeing in Queensland at the moment, has there been a shift in the sort of the businesses that you are working with at the moment? Or, you know, are you seeing a transition from, let's say, the accounting world into more of a technology and innovation? <laughs> let's just say innovation, we'll crop that out. But into that, <laughs> into that technology world. Um, and yeah, are you, are you seeing the, the shift really transition at the moment you know uh it really annoys me people say that uh queensland oh, all they know all they know how to do is like dig up coal and uh and you know export it or or or, or gas like you know it's uh we've we've sort of been thrown in this whole resource state uh, uh market where people just go well these guys don't know anything else other than other than uh, mining and and that's it um you know and look, I, I guess as part of its history, you could say that, you know, in 2009, Brisbane had more engineers than anywhere else in the world. So wow. there, there, this wow. is a, a, a real knowledge base of, of engineers and people, people know how to make things here, build things. Uh, yeah. Resources account for around about 7% 
of the Queensland economy. Now, the trade-off to that is, of course, when that 7% is firing, it does feed into other, other sectors. You know, um, mining companies need, uh, need accountants, they need lawyers, uh, and, and of course, that sort of turbocharges their business as well. But Br Brisbane really is a diversified economy. We're not just a one-trick town. You know, you look at, you compare, uh, we sort of get lumped into the whole, um, it's the same as Perth. You know, they're, yeah. we only know how to do one thing. You know, Perth's about 30% of their economy comes from, from resources. We're seven. So there's, yeah, there's okay. quite a, a, good, a good mix here. Um, we've got okay. the largest cultural and arts precinct in all of Australia. That's along South Bank, directly opposite the casino, which, uh, which I was talking about. And uh, yep. South Bank is going to feature, uh, we are actually shot a, 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 a video this morning that uh, we're going to launch next week about um, the extension that's happening as part of South Bank. And, you know, that, uh, that's an area that was really revitalised after Expo 88. And uh, that's another, another key precinct that um, I'm really looking forward to uh, expanding. There's a lot of um, land that is being unlocked uh, now by state and uh, and local government to deliver yeah. more parkland, to deliver deliver uh, essentially more more housing and and more places for people to work. Um, but um, we're we're also a massive knowledge base. You know, you look at yeah. uh, the University of Queensland. Um, you look at Queensland, uh, the um, uh, Queensland University of Technology as well. You know. I'm pretty sure yeah. UQ is within the top 50 universities of the world, and and yeah. QUT is not too far behind. They're in the they're in the top 100 last I checked. Uh, there is a lot of human capital that is coming out of a lot of these institutions. Um, it, it's a massive market for international students coming here. And you know what? I, I reckon we keep a ball. We need them. Yeah, we need people yeah. here to, to deliver because there is a lot of grand plans uh, as part of this state. And yeah. uh, we need people to help execute on this. Uh, and that's kind of what has got me so excited and part of the reason why I've started making videos on it because, um, look, I, I, I am a, a proud Queenslander. I've, yeah. uh, uh, I wasn't born here. I came here myself. I actually moved from, from Darwin about really? 20 years ago. So, uh, uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I was a, a Darwin boy, small town. So yeah. I've, uh, you know, come from that mentality. I actually went to boarding school in Sydney for two years as well. So um, okay. uh, I'm, I'm quite familiar with Sydney as well. And there is, there is quite a bit of rivalry between uh, Brisbane, Sydney and, and Melbourne. I mean, that's natural, but I think that's just a Australian sort of cheekiness and competitive exactly. behaviour. And uh, yes, 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 we're the, um, the, the third in that list of cities. And, you know, if if I go traveling overseas and you tell people you're from Brisbane and they say, where the hell's that? Yeah, where's uh, that? <laughs> and uh, I think, <laughs> you know, I think I've heard of Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you get Gold Coast as well. Um, yeah. And look, I mean, exactly. you know, if we lead on to say the, the, the Olympics, I mean, that's where I see the opportunity for the Olympics for us. People yeah. are going to know, or have at least heard of Brisbane now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's basically a massive free publicity stunt. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It is going to help put Brisbane on the map a lot more uh, and I think gain that international recognition. And I guess the things that we've discussed so far within this, the seven, or I guess the seven reasons, six or seven reasons to invest in Queensland, but you can see how they all kind of tie together now, though. You've got the runway that's that's prepared for international arrivals. You've got Queen's Wharf, which is going to be finished in 20, or the beginning of the completion in, in 2022, 2023. Uh, and then that's going to lead on to creating more of a tourist hub, creating an attraction, creating somewhere 
that people will want to go and, and hang out uh, and the casino as well, of course, from an international perspective. You've got the new Cross River Rail, which we haven't really touched on yet, but the new Cross River Rail, which will connect the city itself um, and provide greater accessibility. And then to top it off, you've got uh, the, the Olympics that are really going to, um, I guess, solidify the, the, the global position for Brisbane. Um, and not to mention, obviously, you've got the awesome Queensland weather. It's There's barely a rainy day. And if there is a rainy day, it'll be a, a five-minute tropical thunderstorm. And before you know it, it's, it's gone. Um, it's, and, all over. it's all over pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or it's just going to hail and, and uh, absolutely smash the cars in. But is. <laughs> let's hope not. Make sure uh, you have an undercover car park here in Queensland. Exactly. Uh, I can tell you that much. <laughs> exactly. Gosh, that's uh, memories now. Um, and then prices yeah. so far, you, you've seen, or at least from a residential perspective, in the last three months to September, property prices have increased 5.9%. Um, in the three months to September and then but over the last 12 months to September looking at 19.9% so it's a massive massive growth and it's fueled by I guess at the moment it's being majority fueled by people in that internet interstate migration and people seeing the opportunity that Brisbane is presenting be all of those factors that we've discussed or, or one but I think that yeah, it's uh, it's really put it's, it's it's beginning to put itself on the map more. And like you said, we are commonly referred to as the, guess the the big country town. Um, but I think that that that's slowly slowly sliding away at the moment. There's I guess there's bigger developers moving into to Brisbane. There's a lot more impressive developments. I guess one that also you mentioned in your your video is the the Sky project at Kangaroo Point. Um, and for people who, who want to have a look at that, go and check it out. It's a very, very impressive project on the cliffs at Kangaroo Point, looking back over the city uh, and towards the Story Bridge as well. And you've really got, what, 180 degrees, you could say, views of, of the city itself. Um, and yeah, it's uh, that's one to look forward to. Very impressive project. Yeah, it's yeah. Thank you. It's a uh, it's a site that um, so my father is developing it. Uh, so I come from a, a family of uh, property developers and uh, and builders. I've chosen to separate away from that. I've I probably uh, you know everyone thinks that uh, property development is all uh, sunshine and uh, and lattes and uh, it's all easy. And uh, but uh, I, I can tell you, growing up with a with a father that's a property developer, um, you know, there's uh, there's some good Christmases, yeah. and there's some Christmases where you don't get anything. <laughs> I can imagine. So it's, a, uh, it's a very, uh, very boom bust market. You uh, either, either, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's, yeah, it's yeah. pretty funny when you look back on it now. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of close calls, and uh, you, I, I give I, I take my hat off to developers. I think I genuinely think they deserve every dollar because it is such a risky business. Uh, you're you're yeah. literally you're putting everything on the line pretty much all the time and you're you know you can have a couple of good projects and then uh, you can uh, have a couple that sink, uh, one that sinks you so uh, it's very easy so no uh, developing is hard i've chosen to completely stay away from development for that reason i'm probably someone that uh, uh, as a child was probably scarred by some of those experiences and uh, <laughs> And uh, probably chose something a little bit more conservative, uh, which is why I went down the corporate life. And uh, Fair enough. but uh, no, I am pretty proud of uh, my dad. He's managed to um, pick up a yeah. site that uh, I would say uh, is, there's there's honestly probably no better site in Brisbane 
um, and uh, it is on top of a, a five-storey cliff face that overlooks the city. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty glad that he's uh, managed to secure something that uh, it's, it's for him to, to leave, uh, leave his, uh, his legacy on, on right. Brisbane. And uh, I'm excited to, to uh, see it come to fruition. So uh, hence why I thought, you know what, I wanted to do this video on seven reasons as to why to move to Brisbane. And I said to, I said to my dad, how about we, um, you know, give uh, give Sky a mention, and uh, yeah. uh, he was all yeah. for it. Uh, he loved he loved the first video, so it wasn't too hard to awesome. to to convince him. The, you know, the uh, they say the uh, easiest person to sell to was a salesman. So, and that's that's very true from a lot of people. I'd say in real estate, we, exactly. Uh, we we are generally quite passionate. We're pretty excited uh, about things. We tend to look at the positives in life, uh, and uh, and that's what I really wanted to articulate in in some of the videos that I do. You know, of, of course, everyone wants a, a healthy dose of um, realistic uh, uh, ideas behind as to as to why uh, you'd make any any decision, particularly when it involves money. Uh, and uh, and uh, you know, I wanted to put a bit of a positive slant. I think Brisbane does cop a bit of a flack, uh, and particularly a lot of the articles around, you know. Um, uh, well, Olympics are a waste of money. Uh, every host city that's ever ever run them uh, is is going to lose money. I, I don't think that's the case. You know, I think the the real value for Brisbane is that people will know Brisbane internationally now. Uh, and, and if you think about um, my my view on post twenty thirty two, my personal opinion, I, I would say that the 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 net benefit that the city is going to achieve is is not the games itself. It's the international recognition and and people being able to point to a map and say, "Yep, I know where Brisbane is." Uh, I think that's going to encourage quite a lot of uh, migration here. If you look at Sydney and Melbourne, uh, the migration that they get, the population growth, it's predominantly fueled by international arrivals. In Brisbane, the market's very different. We get all the people leaving Sydney and Melbourne to come up here. Yes, property prices are, are, are generally about half the price of what it is. It's even further exacerbated when you actually, you know, pe people say, oh, you know, uh, and I've said it in my video, the average uh, average price in Sydney is about, you know, uh, depending on what metric you use, uh, median sort of um, price is about 1.25 mil. Uh, here in Brisbane, it's about 650. I mean, that's a that's a huge huge difference. Yeah. But if you break it down within a uh, into an inner city radius, you know, Urbis have recently released a report that uh, that basically said the the true discrepancy between house prices of an in the inner city of Brisbane versus the inner city of Sydney is about 257 percent. So wow. you know, we're not we're not getting the same 50 million dollar mega mansion sales <laughs> here, here in yeah. Brisbane. And you know, five million dollars probably doesn't get you very far in inner city Sydney. And I know that sounds a bit ridiculous to to yeah. to suggest but um five million dollars buys you a pretty nice house here in brisbane so uh... <laughs> yeah, you'd be right you'd be on the higher end for sure correct for sure, for sure that's interesting i guess one of my last questions that i wanted to ask you was what do you foresee to be the brisbane's future for the next 12 to 24 months what can you see happening um in terms of i guess the the residential commercial market uh, or in terms of business as well but how do you see um, how do you see the the market and economy in Brisbane behaving over the next twelve to twenty four months? Well, I, I think one of the massive benefits that we've got is that we completely sidestepped COVID, and I think that 
a, a lot of people that have been locked down in, in places like Sydney and Melbourne for extended period of time uh, are looking for a change. And uh, we're going to see a flood of people move here. You know, uh, I, I tried to sell um, an apartment that I live in at the beginning of the year. And, you know, I, uh, the best offer I could get was 620. And yeah. I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to hold on to it because uh, uh, yeah. I ended up buying a, a block of land where I'm going to build a family home. And, uh, you know, the economy has been pretty good here. So I, I probably hit a little bit of the panic stage early on and uh, got a little bit scared and thought maybe I should sell it and, uh, and uh, you know, um, yeah. get in a little Run. bit of cash. Um, yeah. And then, you know, like I, I chose not to sell it. The, the agent has, uh, you know, tried uh, uh, to, to, he's given me another offer, unconditional at 660. So it's, oh, it's jumped up 40K okay. for, for an apartment within the span of a couple of months. And the, um, the, uh, the, the buyer was uh, sight unseen, locked down in Melbourne, uh, wanted, to, wanted to buy something because he's relocating here, or at least, and wants to have somewhere where he can move straight into. Uh, and... We're hearing a lot of those style of stories, and I said to my dad, you know, what do you think? What do you think I should do? He's got he's got a pretty clever property brain, yeah. and he said, you know what? For for every person that's sitting there that is happy to buy something sight unseen, there's probably ten that want to buy it that want to see it before they want to buy it. Yeah, very so true. It, 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 it kind of made me go, you know what? That's a very simplistic way of looking at things. But <laughs> at the end of the day, he's probably like, right, there is there is a tsunami of people that are about to move up here. I mean, they've 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 already been doing it as lockdowns were lifted. And uh, yeah. I, I, my prediction for the next twelve to twenty four months is we are going to see a massive influx of, of people. I think I already mentioned it earlier on. There is a real shortage of um, trades in particular, and, uh, and that is driving construction prices up. Hey, if you're, a, if you're a tradie in Sydney and Melbourne and you're thinking about doing yeah. it, now's the time because I can tell you uh, tradie pay has gone up about 20%. We talk about wow. stagnant wages. Geez, I don't, I don't know where stagnant wages are, but uh, yeah. it's, it's certainly not in Brisbane. They're, they're growing. And you know, I've, I've recently employed two extra people as well. And, uh, you know, people, yeah. for good quality people, you've got to pay. And yeah. you know what? I was happy to put my hand in my pocket and, and pay people a bit extra because if you want good quality people, uh, you, you've, you've got to spend exactly. the money. So I encourage, you know, other, other employers out there to, to spend yeah. a little bit more, get the people that you want and, and help grow your business. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's an exciting time to be in Brisbane from that respect. No, that's good. That's, I like that. It's a good way of looking at it. And uh, the last question of today's podcast, one I'd like to close on with all of my guests is, what does a wealthy life mean to you? Uh, I, I definitely think that's an interesting question. And uh, yeah. I think now that I've got my own business, um, I, it's a completely different answer to what I would have told you when I was uh, an employee, um, which wasn't that long ago. Uh, the, and I would say, I'd say with, with wealth comes great responsibility. And, you know, when you start, um, I've recently made the transition to, to being an employer rather than an employee. And I've gone out and hired people. And that, that in itself brings a, a range of new um, responsibilities. So I think, and of course, the business that I'm running it's 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 far more lucrative than what I was previously previously doing as an employee. So, um, uh, you know, with with wealth, I think comes greater responsibility because there is there is that thought process where you go, well, 
I've got to go out there and hustle now because uh, I've got these other people relying on me. So there is that responsibility factor. Uh, and that's what I would say a wealthy life okay. is. It's, uh, uh, yeah. it's an increased level of responsibility. I like that. I like these answers. It's good to get uh, get a perspective from different people in different industries and, and just different lines of work. But yeah, nice one. I like it. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the show today. It's been awesome to, to sit down with you again and, and have a chat. We need to need to catch up more often. Get you on a couple more Definitely. shows. It's been future. good to catch up. <laughs> Definitely, mate. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get this out. We'll um for anyone that's listening and, and you want to have a look at Mel's video from last week, we'll leave a link in our description of the, the YouTube video here. Um, and if you need any help with office space in, in Brisbane and Queensland, <laughs> Mel's your man, reach out to Mel and I'm sure he'll be happy to have a chat. Um, but thank you once again for your time, Mel. Thanks for having me on, Chris. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. And for anyone that is listening, please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe uh, and we'll get back to all your comments. And, and if we can help in any way, please feel free to reach out to myself or the team and we will help where we can. But thank you once again, Mel, and we'll speak very soon.